0: My son asked for a retro gaming system for Hanukkah so I bought him a deck of cards I'm Brett Singer, this is my show Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to Brett from Bunker. It is Friday, December eighteenth. The year is still twenty twenty. It's still twenty twenty. Isn't this crazy? Pretty soon it won't be twenty twenty, and then we'll be, and then we can uh, blame twenty twenty one for everything bad that happens. But for now, we're going to blame twenty twenty. It is eleven a.m., and I am joined today by Sean Scove. Sean, how you doing?
1: Good. Thank you very much for squeezing me in,
0: Brett. Of course, not a problem. Happy to do it. Uh, so the question that I ask everyone, it it took on. It sort of stopped being a, re- being a relevant question, and then I feel like it now is still a relevant question because we're quarantining again, is how are you holding up?
1: I'm doing pretty well. Um, one thing about Florida is they're a pretty red state, so there's no mask wearing. There's no social distancing. It's, uh, it's pretty much like things are normal here. Oh, I my God, that's it's so weird. Than being in New York.
0: I can't even imagine. That's such a weird uh, – that's – that's a bizarre idea to me. So really, nobody wears a mask?
1: No, even in the office building that I work in, they've had to put out another email blast because the, me and the few other people in my office seem to be the only ones in the building who even wear them.
0: So it's just people just don't believe in this? Like they're not watching the news? Like what is that about?
1: It's, it's, it's hard to try to understand really, but you know, I think it's a mixture of, You know, wanting to believe that it's the mask. You know, a lot of people don't think the masks work, and you know, they're they love to use those quotes they see on social media and things like that. You know, as their rhetoric to tell you why there's no point to do it. And you know, there's some people that'll even go as far to say that just wearing a mask out of respect for others is not true. I've even had conversations with people down here where they feel like that's not even a true thing. The restaurants, everything. There's just complete lack of care. Is that where you're from, Florida? I've lived here for 22 years now, so this is as much of a home as I've ever had. But I'm originally from uh, Maryland. Okay, go Ravens. Go Ravens. There you go. They're, uh I think they're having a good year. Aren't they having a good year? We're not doing too bad. Yeah, yeah I mean it's not spectacular, all right. he had a but big he but win he, Monday Night Football.
0: I mean Lamar's pretty great. Yeah. I mean, you know no no lie, I mean he's pretty amazing to watch. So. You know that was uh, that's always fun, but I don't know. They got to throw more. Like like they can run it, but
1: but they they got to do some
0: more passing. They got to find a way to work that in.
1: Yeah, the first few drives against the Browns on Monday, I think Lamar had six passing yards by the end of the first quarter. It was, uh, and then we started breaking them down and started getting some passes in there. But yeah, we are definitely a run first team. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and again, when you can do that, it's hard to care. Like,
0: it's hard to be like, you know, no, no, I've got to, you know, I got to get the, I got to get the runs off because, you know, I actually I got to get the passes off. But I just, I feel like at some point you're not gonna, you're not gonna win with, you know, entirely on the ground. Then again, then again, you know, Tim Tebow, who is a much less good quarterback than than Lamar Jackson, used to win games with like 10 yards passing. So I guess it can be done. I, you know, I guess it's just it's yeah. a way to, it's a way to win a football game, so maybe I'm wrong.
1: It kind of feels like sometimes like I'm almost watching like the old Lombardi team because we just run the ball so much and just pass when we need to. um you know yeah. it, it used to work back in the day, but the passing is definitely the way of the NFL nowadays, so it's almost like we're a retro team.
0: Yeah, there's, it's definitely very retro. Now, I admit to some bias. I've got a couple of receivers on my fantasy team that are on the Ravens this year. So I am definitely like, why don't you throw the ball more? Throw
1: it! <laughs> Especially to the yeah, tight we need end! need to get Brown the ball more, that's for sure. I'm sorry? <laughs> we definitely need to get Marquise Brown the ball more. He's a great talent. Yeah, that's my guy.
0: That's one, that's, that's one of my
1: guys. Yeah. You know, he.
0: guy's a good receiver. Got to throw him the ball. Got to throw him the ball. He is, so. Yeah, I would like to see more of
1: him. Um so now tell me
0: how you got into comedy.
1: Well, I was uh I was technically in comedy before I was a stand-up comedian. Uh, and if I have to pause at some point I apologize, but um my best friend was a aspiring stand-up comedian and I was his writer for many years. Um he never really got to really get too much out there. I you know his, his name was uh Dan Howe and um Unfortunately, last year he uh, passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. At the end of July. Sorry. I still get emotional talking about it. Yeah, no, I'm um, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. Yeah, he was my best friend. Uh, His family was like a second family to me. I'd probably be at his house at least once a week for dinner. He'd be at my house three, four nights a week. Um, Very, very close friend. And uh, he unfortunately had his demons and he uh, died due to an overdose. Um oof. he had recently gotten out of rehab for about two and a half months and th- thought things were gonna go better. Unfortunately, uh we feel that the with it being out of the system for so long and him getting back into it, it just shocked his system and unfortunately took his life. <laughs> oh boy, sorry. Um and uh so after I grieved for um some time, uh and took a lot of time to try to because it left a very large hole in my life he was were there for me everywhere and um his family is such lovely people i wish uh <laughs> sorry i'm trying not to cry here um his family's such lovely people and if they hear this i want them to know that i'm out there doing this for him um but after the time passed and i felt comfortable writing again i started writing uh back early january um I had listened to a Bill Hicks, I was a big Bill Hicks fan, still am, and his family did a lovely comedy album um, after Bill Hicks had passed away. He died at the age of 34 from cancer, and his family just went through and talked about his entire life, his comedy, his brothers, his friends, everyone was on this album, and I listened to that, and it really inspired me to start writing, so... At the end of January, I decided to start writing an hour special, which is pretty bold (laughs) for a young comedian. Uh, Most people just try to get five minutes, and I went out the gate and said, I'm going to write an hour special. Um, I'm close to finishing it. Um, I've probably got about 45 minutes down so far. Um, That's almost perfected and written out, so hopefully sometime next year I should be able to get that hour done. Um, And then in October... Uh, I was naturally with COVID, a lot of things got shut down. So I was hoping to have started my first stand up comedy appearance uh, in the summer, and everything got shut down and everything was canceled. And I didn't get to actually step onto a stage until October. I think it was the first week of October. I uh, found a Cava bar. Not knowing it was a cava bar, never heard of a cava bar before.
0: What is a cava bar? For Kava those who bar? don't know, it's like a yeah. What
1: is it? What is that? It's like a relaxing. Yeah, it's like a relaxing tea. Cava is
0: this leaf that they oh,
1: kind of infuse. I, guess, I in a know what that it, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. They used to sell it as yeah, Kava, Kava. it is. It's very relaxing, very calming. Yeah. Um, but as a standard up comedian, uh, you're usually expecting the people in the audience to be drinking.
0: Alcohol yeah, exactly. usually helps comedy.
1: <laughs> Exactly. So it was, I was the only comedian. I was, uh, no one knew that I was a comedian. I was uh, the only one there. Everyone else was musicians. And I went up and I'm a very, very anxious person. I shake just going to the grocery store, <laughs> which is why I never wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I was always just supposed to be a writer. And uh, I went up there shaking and just miserable. And I did my 10 minutes and and they laughed, and they loved me, and I came back another time, did another 15 minutes, and they loved it. But I'm a pretty dark comedian, so I guess one person made a comment, and they basically were like, we love you, we want you to come back, but we might have to censor some of your material. And I was like, you know, this is a great starting point, but, you know, I think that's the end of my time here. And I was able to find a comedy club in Fort Myers called the Laugh and Comedy Cafe. I now perform with them at least twice a month. They're an amazing group of people. Um, from the performers to the people that run the cafe. It uh, was definitely a great way to go from just being a kind of an open-miker to doing real comedy club open mics, and it was just another stepping stone to where I've gotten today. Great. Well, that's quite a story. Um, I'm sorry about your question. Yeah, yeah. That's and one other thing I wanted to mention, so um, in reference to my friend Dan Howe, he, um, he left a jacket at one of my friend's houses before he passed, and it uh, was the only thing that we really had uh, to remember him by. And uh, my group of friends decided to give that to me. <laughs> Damn, I wanted to not cry so much. Um, and uh, I do every performance in that jacket. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And I plan performance in my career in that jacket.
0: So when you wrote for your friend, was that also dark material?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. The closer to my special is uh, the last joke that we were writing. And we had set out to write the darkest and most uh, jarring joke that we could possibly think of.
0: Now, clearly, that's your thing. Like, you, uh, why do you want to yeah. do dark material? Is it just that's how you feel, or are you, you know, do you like
1: shocking audiences? Yeah. What It's a mixture of things, um, especially the you know the taste that I have. I was a big George Carlin, big Bill Hicks, big Doug Stanhope fan. And one thing that I Doug Stanhope actually talked about in his most recent album is the idea of making fun of something. Like, I have a three-minute joke about school shooters. And for a lot of people, that would be very off-putting and not acceptable for a stage. But it's, it's about how you go about it, but it's making fun of something. It's something that's very serious and we're not comfortable talking about, and I'm making fun of it. I'm making it to where we can talk about it, we can laugh at it. I feel it's, you know, and it's, it's, this is what this country needs now more than ever, is to make fun of everything that's going on, make fun of the presidency. You know, every talk show, every host is making fun of the presidential campaign for the last four years. Making fun of things that are hard to talk about or hard to digest, it makes us laugh. It makes it easier to be around these things and to try to better ourselves and get past these horrible moments in history. Okay. And that's, I feel Um, like a lot of people give dark comedy a bad rap because you're just making fun of very, you know, relevant, very off-putting things. But it is an art form. There's a right way and there's a wrong way to do it.
0: So what's the wrong way to do it?
1: Well, like, the, the most, like, the simplest answer is what people call hate speech. There's a fine line between comedy and hate speech. Like, for instance, I was in a Zoom show. 'Cause so a lot of Zoom shows. They're very rough. There's no laughing. They're miserable. I wouldn't recommend them, but some people got to do them. And there was a woman who had no right doing comedy. She, was, she basically just did a five-minute rant about how she was demeaning and yelling at two Spanish employees in a dollar store, and it was just racist, and it was gross. She thought it was funny, but it was just hate speech. She was just a racist old woman yelling at two Spanish people who couldn't speak English very well. That's not a joke. And she thought it was very funny, but in reality, that's not a joke. Well, I think you just said
0: it. It's not a joke. Like, like it's, so. my feeling has always been, you can say whatever as long as, as long as it's funny. Like if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to do dark comedy, like there's nothing wrong, nothing inherently wrong with dark comedy. There's nothing inherently wrong with edgy comedy or anything like that. But uh, you know, you gotta be funny. If you're not being, if you're not being funny, then what are you doing? And so, you know, and obviously if you're being racist, then that's, that's sort of next level. If you're going to a place that is clearly offensive um, and you're doing that in the name of comedy, it's like, well, you know, that's not really, as you say, that's not comedy. It's not a joke.
1: Yeah, I find a lot of um, jokes, like, for instance, um, and, you know, you have to know your audience Like, for instance, down here in Florida, I can't do Trump jokes. I tried once, they pulled me off stage immediately. You can't be really? making Trump down here. They in Florida. actually pulled you no, 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 off no, stage? Every, oh, yeah. yeah.
0: I got booed and pulled
1: off stage for doing a Trump joke. Wow. Yeah. Wowie, wow. They are, How different. Yeah, oh yeah, but there's you know you go to a place where it's more of a blue state, and I bet they'd love it.
0: <laughs> I mean, I stay away from it because but, it's not you know, my thing. Like I'm not doing, I'm it's not doing political comedy, but for, but for God's sake, I mean, in, in New York, you probably get cheered.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's every talk show, you know, it's 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 a very You know, again, being relevant as a comedian is very important, but it's just you know it's just like when Bush was president, everyone was doing George Bush jokes because it was it was just right there, it was handed to you.
0: It's a different time. It was it was just less polarizing, I think. You know, I don't. I yeah. And another. I just go ahead. I sorry, no go ahead.
1: I was just gonna say another thing, and not to use because this is a joke that I've never I've done on stage, but not very often because you you know you have to be aware of what jokes you're doing. But for instance, I have a George Floyd joke. Now the joke is not at the expense of George Floyd. It's at the expense of the police officers that were involved in the act. Now, if that joke was at the expense of George Floyd, I'd probably get murdered for doing that joke. But because it's not people laugh.
0: Yeah, I got to be honest. I
1: I personally think you get a lot of trouble.
0: uh, Absolutely. I mean, I just, I don't feel comfortable talking about talking about that stuff and more power to you if that's what if that's what you're into, and you know you feel like you've got something that can work but i I just feel like it's going to freeze up the audience that that people are just going to clench up and and i oh yeah, I, you know
1: i mean maybe and and
0: again, it depends on where you're doing it I mean if you say that the joke works ultimately if it works, it works, it doesn't really matter
1: yeah and i exactly, and I use that one as an example too because it's like oh that's oh, oh there's no one who wouldn't respond that way to that, you know, just even talking about it. Um, But that's the thing, you know, it's, for instance, like I like to use Doug Stanhope because Doug Stanhope has been doing comedy for 30 years. He has one of the most loyal and adoring fans of any comedian. Most people have never heard of Doug Stanhope because he's a dark, vulgar comedian, but his fans, they want to hear the worst, raunchiest. They want to, they want you to push it as far as they can go. When you're in a room like that and you've got people who, understand that kind of comedy and can see no matter how jarring or dark it is, if it's funny and it's coming from the right place, then say it. You know, if I'm down here in Naples, Florida, it's a very, very rich affluent area. These, you know, you do a six o'clock show for these very, you know, all these retired 65 plus people. You can't, you know, you can't be doing those kinds of jokes. You got to be doing jokes that they'll laugh at, that they'll, you know, not boo you for (laughs)
0: Right, I mean, that's, yeah, you have to know your audience. I think that's, that's very key. But also, I mean, talk about Doug Stanhope. As you say, Doug Stanhope's been doing comedy for 30 years, so he's obviously going to be able to get away with things more. And it's not just that he's built up the fan base. It's also, it's also a skill level. Like, I feel like, you know, when you've been doing comedy for that long, if you've been doing dark comedy for that long, it, you're going to be better at it. You're going to be more able to hit those marks, don't you think?
1: Yeah, and like he's talked about this before. Like, a lot of comedians are asked to apologize for their joke. And he's like, I've never been asked once to apologize. You know, I wouldn't, but I would just like to be asked. He's got that distinction where it's like no one's even going to ask him to apologize because he's been labeled as such.
0: Oh, because you know what
1: you're going to get. Yeah, if you're Kevin Hart and you make any kind of joke, you're immediately apologizing on, you know, every talk show you can get onto the next day. Because he's a clean family, you know, different, different type of comedian. I wouldn't call him clean. Did you I
0: mean cuz he's definitely there's a lot there's a lot of, there's a lot of yeah. language. There's definitely like I wouldn't I wouldn't call him a clean comic. I mean it's not no, it's, but it's I definitely, definitely not, ed- it's not edgy. It's not
1: clean but mainstream. Yeah,
0: he's definitely not edgy. He's certainly, you know, he's talking about social media, he's talking about being famous. I mean I tried to watch his special. It was really awful. I I don't I I honestly don't know. I I defy anyone to tell me what, you know, where the jokes are
1: in that special. It was just really bad. I and that's what it. I heard. I haven't seen it just yet. Um, I'm probably going to watch it here before the year is over. But one thing that I've always felt, and not to shit on Kevin Hart by any means, try to get my first time on a podcast and ruin my career by talking badly about Kevin Hart, but um, he is one of those comedians where I feel like he just does a special every three years, and he just kind of tells you what he's done, and it updates with his family. And I feel like that's kind of where his he's been kind of getting a little desperate because he's just – He's just kind of just telling me what's been going on for the last three years, and if it's funny, it is. If it's not, then he's just kind of standing there. I mean, look, he's obviously, he could get up and he can get up
0: and he can talk for an hour and people are interested in what he has to say because he's extremely famous. I think he's really funny in movies. Like, I, I'm not, it's not like I seek out everything he's in, but, the, you know, the few times, that, the couple of times I've seen him in stuff, I was like, alright, he's pretty funny. But this was just, this special was just not good. Like, I, I don't know, I just didn't get what you know, it felt it felt very half baked. Um, it just, I don't know. It just, did, I'm not. I'm not. Kevin Hart's hugely successful, and and more power to him. I, I am in no way knocking knocking him for yeah. that. But, um, but at the same time, this special was just like, ugh, it was rough.
1: And I've seen a clip or two. I haven't seen the whole thing, but I. The one thing I love loved this, this set. Oh, it was an amazing. That's set. in his house. Beautiful. That's not a set. That's in his yeah. house.
0: That's his house. He's got a comedy oh, club in his great. basement. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, talk about success. I mean, you know, you sort of – you don't really – I find with a lot of people, you don't think about how successful they are until you see how they live. And, I mean, he's got this amazing – like, you know, this, if this were a club, it would be the hottest club in town. Incredible. It looks so comfortable. Yeah, You've got, you got an yeah. audience in there. It was great. It's just in his basement. It's so
1: cool. It's Amazing. God bless.
0: Yeah, I'd
1: like to see people out of there. He should be doing, you know, regular shows, bringing on other comedians. The great venue. See, that
0: would be cool. That's about, a really good but... idea. Do, <laughs>
1: let him do what Roddy Dangerfield used to do, like like with the young
0: comedian special. Yeah. Bring on exactly. other comics that he likes. That would be really neat, and that would actually be a really cool thing for Netflix because Netflix is obviously doing a tremendous amount of comedy, and. That would be a really that would be a really cool thing. Is to, uh, you know once a month have a Kevin the Kevin Hart comedy special. That's a great idea.
1: Yeah, I would definitely be watching that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, so let let him elevate some young comics like that. That's uh, that's something you can do. You know, like Bill Burr's done that a little bit. He's produced a couple of people's specials, lent his name to some things, and you can do that when you get to when you get to that level. So I that would be really cool. I actually I would like to
1: see that. Yeah, so if Netflix is listening, maybe they can think about it. Yeah, think about that, Netflix. Come on, what's the matter with you? What's the matter with
0: you? You could do that. You could make that happen easy. You're looking for content? This is a simple, this is a no-brainer. Okay, hey, Kevin, who do you think is funny? How about this one? All right, great. Let's get him on. Crazy.
1: Hey, Kevin, so put me on.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come on, Kev. Come on, Kev. I didn't mean to talk bad about your special it wasn't me, <laughs> I, I, was I,
1: don't know <laughs> me I was hacked i was hacked
0: it wasn't me i was hacked i was hacked um so let's see now yeah, it's interesting you say dark comedy versus clean comedy i think of clean comedy and this maybe this is just sort of the way i'm wired but i mean like i like i feel like you can be dark and still be clean would you do you agree with that or do you disagree
1: with that um, yeah, there's definitely levels of dark comedy. You can be um, someone who says, you know, talks about topics, uh, you know, like heavier topics, but, in, a, you know, with, without vulgar, without things like that. Like, for instance, I think George Carlin and a lot of his things, you know, like he has a bit where he talks about what you should do with prisoners and you just set off one state and you put them all in this you know, or the daily beheadings. And he would talk, you know, those are pretty dark ideas where he'd bring someone on TV on a Monday night and behead them on live TV. But he did it, you know, in a very cheerful, very clean manner to where it was, you know, very dark stuff, but it didn't seem that way. Right. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm talking about. That's a perfect example
0: is, you know, I mean, Carlin was not a clean comic per se. I wouldn't necessarily, like... Uh, that I don't know. I I don't know that specific bit, but it sounds like that kind of falls into the category of what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, he has some bits where it's like he's talking about these really big ideas, and it's like, wow, that's a very because I can I kind of like with Bill Hicks as well. He kind of did that where you take you know things and you 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 put a very very different unique perspective that people go, wow, I never thought about it that way. I feel like I try to bring that to a lot of my jokes where I'm. For, you know, I'm giving people perspectives that they've never thought of or they're just completely different compared to how they think. Yeah, because I used to see Bill Hicks on TV all the time. I mean,
0: I, the most I saw of him would be on Comedy Central. They used to play his clips constantly. That, you know, this goes, this goes back many, many years. He was still alive at the time. But, and he obviously had Letterman appearances. So, you know, he certainly he, – he worked clean.
1: Yeah, he had, there's like an hour-something compilation of every single Letterman appearance he ever did. He, he went there quite a bit. Um, and actually, his the last one was uh, pretty funny because it's he pulled the last special, or the last time that Bill Hicks was there, Bill Hicks unfortunately passed. Bill Hicks's mother went on the show and made him show it <laughs> and gave him a very hard time about pulling it.
0: Oh, I've never, I've never seen the. Uh, I knew that they, they knew they had pulled it. I didn't know they ever actually played it.
1: Yeah, Bill Hicks's mother is a very, very funny Southern lady. Yeah, it's uh, in the album I talked about earlier, and on Letterman, she, uh, she definitely, sh- you can see where some of Bill Hicks came from is definitely from the mom. Great. Oh, that's cool. I'd like to see that. And actually, speaking, yeah, speaking of Bill Hicks, there's actually this is one thing I, that I like. I think is interesting to talk about. Um, Bill Hicks, his two big uh, what are now on Netflix, I believe or used to be his two big specials, Revelations and Relentless were both filmed to my knowledge in England and even Doug Stanhope in his earlier career did his performance some of his performances in England and to be honest, even if if I'm hoping to get a Netflix special um, as well uh, that I would like to even I would even try to do mine in England um, because the main difference between specifically England and Europe versus the United States, is they're much, much more open to dark comedians. They are much more accepting to where the United States can be a little bit, especially now more than ever with the PC culture and all this stuff, cancel culture coming out, they're a little bit more hesitant to be doing that stuff over here. But in England, oh, they want it all.
0: So the audiences are more willing.
1: Yeah, they're more understanding that if it's funny... No matter how jarring it is, they're going to laugh. And my, the two Bill Hicks stand ups, I mean, you, he goes on stage and they talk about it in the album. He was a rock star over there. He was like the Beatles. They just adored him. Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, he's,
0: you know, I mean, obviously he's very funny, but uh, I mean, I think that's thats interesting that he's let, he's, it, you know, it's like jazz musicians. They're much more popular overseas than they are over here
1: yeah and i think that's one thing that's good to know especially for other dark comedians like if you're you know if you're having hard times over here it might not be a bad idea to try to jump over there and because doug stanhope i think has done like almost half of europe he's he's done bill hicks has done a few over there too and yeah they're they're very welcoming over there
0: yeah i mean that's and that's the thing they speak english in a lot of places like they're bill bill bird did a whole european tour and he went to he went to a bunch of places and um i think i think stand-up is very big in berlin if i remember correctly that somewhere in germany if i think it's berlin and um you know you don't have to you don't have to speak german you know like they they
1: speak english you're fine yeah and the theaters are such prestigious and beautiful theaters that they do some of these comedy performances and it's uh, that's the thing. I would rather do a Netflix special in England or, or Germany than I would do the United States just because I feel like it would do, I would do better and it would be a better set. Right. No, I think
0: that's, uh, I can see why. I mean, you know, look, look, ultimately what you want is you want good energy, you know, you want people laughing. And if you think you're going to get that better over there, and clearly that's what it's, I mean, I didn't know that about Bill Hicks, but it sounds like that's what he, you know, was able to do. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. If you think your people are there, then I, you know, why not? There's no, there's no downside. Once you're, once you're working on that level, then you know, what the hell? Give it a try. I mean, Kevin Hart clearly wanted to be, be at home, you know, which I think makes sense. It's a coronavirus type of special. It makes sense. Let's do it in my basement. I got yeah. a comedy club. Let's bring in some people. And you know, they, they filmed. It. You could tell they filmed a couple of different nights because they cut to the audience. That's different people, so you can actually see. Um that they did more than one performance, which is standard I mean, I don't think that's unusual it's just when you when your audience is so small you can you can tell is is the only real difference like when you know when you're doing it in a theater, like most of his other uh specials, you know it's huge you would never be able you would never notice that the audience is different but when when there's like i mean I don't even know i mean it was i mean was it twenty people i mean it wasn't it wasn't a big crowd
1: no, I definitely saw that, yeah, that was my biggest concern when I saw the few clips was. There's not gonna be much laughter with that many people. No, there definitely there definitely isn't.
0: It, it, it's, it, you know, and I, I mean, you know, it's look, I it's cool. I mean, it's definitely cool to be able to do that in your house. Like to just be able to walk downstairs and be like, you know, okay, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna film this, you know, multiple cameras, get in, you know, small audience, but um but at the same time maybe that maybe there's a certain energy that comes from doing it in a bigger place. I mean obviously you couldn't do that. Like he wasn't going to be able to do that, so you know, there's that. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely
1: speak to the energy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, just there's more energy with more people, or or even just a comedy club energy where it's you know it's not as big as a theater, but there's just you've got more people. How are the audiences? I guess I guess in Florida, nobody's wearing a mask, so it's not really any different, right?
1: Yeah. No, you're just it's it, like the one of the shows that I did. Um, which i think was the first week of december at the laugh and comedy cafe and i was actually able to get one of the other comedians to uh film that for me and it's uh, it's not perfect but it's definitely the best footage i have to date. and um, it was a packed house completely sold out and i i mean, the laughs were just incredible i mean i just when you're up there on stage and you're getting the laughs and you're killing it, uh, you, it there's no other feeling i mean it's it's like king kong on crack i mean you're just there's, it feels amazing. They're literally lifting you up. It feels like and oh, it's the best. I walk it's off the best. Stage. It's why we do it? Yeah. That's feel, why we do it? Yeah. Feeling like just feeling like a thousand bucks, and and I find out that the other comedians that night had deemed it to be a bad crowd, and I I to this to this day I still don't quite understand why because um, it was the best crowd I ever had. <laughs> But i mean i i see my feeling is that if they're
0: laughing it's a good crowd i mean like i don't you know what else What what else is there i mean you know if you're i yeah i don't know i mean i i, I guess different people have different feelings about it but i mean you know i i feel like unless they're sitting on their hands and they're just not willing to participate then it, you know let's hear it it's not bad you know it's a what well how could it be a bad crowd if they were laughing <laughs> Yeah, My it's a sold-out show.
1: Every seat is booked. What more could you want?
0: Yeah, exactly. Believe me. I mean, you want to you want a bad crowd. You know, I did a show at uh, you know eleven o'clock at night on a Sunday, and there were three people there, and they you know there was just no real there, no, nobody's really laughing, and you basically just have to talk to the audience because there's you know what else are you gonna do, and it that's hard. Like you know, you want to talk about uh, rough. Uh, you know, like that's difficult. Or where you do a show. Um, I've had, I used to host shows and, and it would be sort of some pros and some bringers. And so a lot of times you get an audience and everybody's only there to laugh for the people that they're there for, that they're there to see. Yeah. And so that that can be difficult. My shows are usually okay, but sometimes, you know, you get up on something and it's like, eh, you know, like, like people only want to laugh for their friends. And it's sort of like, well, that's going to be hard, you know? So, yeah, you it's know, that very, very biased. Well, it's just, it's just harder. But also, you know, or, or it's just not a good night. You know, maybe I, – I, I did a show, and the, there was a, com- a pro comedian. He got up, and he just ate it. It was just not good. And he came off, and he said, well, that was humbling. He said, good luck with them. And there were – I want to say there were like seven comics on, you know, on that night. So it goes along, and then one guy came up, and he broke open the audience. And I went on right after him, so I had a good set. You know, and if I had gone earlier in the night, I wouldn't have had a good set, like I, unless I had been the one to break them open, which is entirely possible. But I didn't have that opportunity. So, you know, who knows? It's just tricky. It, it's you know, it's like, I, you know, I, I, I try not to blame the audience. I, I try to, you know, look, it, sometimes, obviously, there are times when you can tell, you know, especially on Zoom, like on Zoom, when everybody's muted, obviously, that's not a good audience. You know, when oh, I go, that would be terrible. It's just, it's just I rough. I did one the other night like that, and I was just like, oh god, because you just feel like you feel like you're dying. I mean, it's just you just you, you think you're bombing, even if you're not. There was one guy laughing hysterically, but he was on mute, so I just decided to do the show to him because I'm, I'm I'm like watching him, and he's really laughing, like laughing hard. You can see it, but you can't hear it, and it's just not the same thing, you know. So I do a lot of Zoom shows, yeah. and I don't have I don't have a problem with them. Um, I'm I've been pretty lucky. My my Monday night show is pretty good, but I did one. A couple of weeks ago, there and you know there were just a few people there, which is fine. That happens; it's not a big deal. But nobody would go off mute, and and nobody would show their face. So we it was basically like an open mic. (laughs) And I just I felt bad for the comics I'd invited. (laughs) I was like, you know, what am I gonna do? But whatever, you do the show. I mean, there's people here. If there's people there, you got to do the show. So we just laughed for each other, and it was fine. Yeah. Um, But so like something like that. Okay.
1: Yeah, it definitely shows the strength, you know, because it's, it's hard. You have, to, you have to literally pull through that material, you know, when no one's laughing. And that was actually one thing that I found from transitioning from a writer to a stand-up comedian. And I know this sounds so obvious, but it wasn't something I realized. Um, when you're writing jokes, to consider pausing for laugh breaks. I know that sounds so ridiculous. No, that's, that that's not an thing uncommon bad. thing to have to learn.
0: That's not an uncommon thing to have to learn. That makes sense. I mean, and it's particularly true on Zoom.
1: But that's what makes those yeah. But that's what makes those Zoom shows pretty hard for me, is because when you're doing a live mic and you're on stage, you get those laughs and you pause for the laughter, and it helps you and it keeps your timing and your it keeps your mojo and all that. But when there's no laughter and everyone's muted, I've even done a Zoom show where instead of laughing, they were putting emoticons in the chat, but that doesn't help at all. <laughs> Yeah, I'm
0: not a fan of that. I know people like that, and I know – like, there are people who do shows on Twitch or Facebook Live, and I, I try not to do that. I need some feedback, and I don't need a lot. Like, I'm not greedy. Like, if, like if, I, if there's one person laughing, even if it's my mom, like, I'm okay with that. Like, I really am. Obviously, that's not what I want. <laughs> I want tons of people laughing, and I want them to not be related to me. But if, for example, like, that's what I get, it's like, okay, at least, at least you feel like you're getting something. You know, you're getting a little bit, a little bit of something, like just some feet some tiny bit of feedback. It would be better if it's not just my mom. No disrespect to my mom, but it would, it would be better if it's not her. <laughs> but you know, I just like I don't need a lot. I just need a little bit of laughing. And so, so when I host, when I host a Zoom show, I'm like, can can, can people unmute? I go down the list. I actually go and name people specifically. I find that that helps. And I say, okay, you know, can you unmute? Can you unmute? Can I see your face? Blah 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 blah. blah. And you know, you get a few people and then you know obviously you hope that they, you hope that then they respond but it doesn't you know like it, it doesn't have to be a ton it's just you got to hear something otherwise you're just talking into a void and it's weird like people, oh why don't you do it as a webinar because that's not comedy like if there's no laughing what's the yeah. point you know we're trying to get laughs we're not just talk, we're not just like talking words it's it's not a ted talk
1: yeah and especially for new comedians it's like that was the whole thing when i was doing a lot of them at first and i still do some of the good ones that I've found in the gems, you know, but it's it's just good practice. I mean, there's jokes that I've done on those Zoom shows that I've never done on a stage. Um, I even have a Zoom show in California that gives you 10 to 15 minutes. 10 to 15 minutes. There's no one that will give you that much time.
0: <laughs> no, there's, there's a lot. Unless you're a
1: legit featured performer and
0: there's one in maybe it's a, is it the same one I mean it was mine in California or was it Detroit I thought mine was the one I did, I did was in Detroit cuz I had I had a 20 minute set coming up and I really needed a long mic and I was really happy to find that there was a 15 minute one um but yeah having a long one like that is gold I mean just to be able just to be able to go for that long is terrific do they do a lot of people cuz that's the the concern with that for me is
1: if they if they have like you know 10 or 12 people that's a long night you know that's the beauty. Is um, really the one funny thing too is I'm, I'm like the only person who performs in that show who's not in California. Um, they they keep it really small, but usually I'm. Um, it's actually mainly musicians. To be honest, this last time I couldn't believe it. We had a dance group do a dance member to a Christmas song in the show. Oh, weird! It's it's all kinds of performers. But it was that's it's just, it's just really nice though to see you know everyone trying to to still keep their art alive and. To be honest, the Zoom shows where it's musicians and other people, it's a lot more fun than just the comedians, I find. Because when it's just the comedians, I feel no one's – like, for instance, I have had, I've not had one person add me from a Zoom show. You know, you put your handles and everything in the chat as they say. No one And any show I've ever done has ever added any of my handles. None of the comedians are really out there looking to help each other in those Zoom shows, but the musicians are very nice and they don't have any beef with you, and it's a much funner time. <laughs> well, that's nice. That's good to hear. Yeah, we've even had two full bands, full four- or five-piece bands. And it's, you know, you do your set, have a drink, and some pretty cool music. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time. Also, talk about, you know, much like the, the
0: one of the great things about comedy, I mean, you know, and it's even more true on Zoom. It's like, you just got to talk. Like, I mean, I have a mic. I don't know about you. I have a microphone. I like having a microphone, but you don't even really need that. You just need, you know, you just need your computer. You don't even have to get dressed up. You can just, you know, talk into, talking to the webcam. Um, you got to get a band. I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of work.
1: Yeah. I mean, they got to get all the sound checks and all that stuff. You know, it's a, it's a good bit of sound checks in the, in, you know, the first hour, 30 minutes, but, uh, and I can't remember the name of the pizza place, unfortunately. I wish I could give him a shout out, but, um, but yeah, it's it's probably the best doom show that I do. It's a great fun time. Great, that's awesome.
0: That's awesome. Um, yeah, Displaced Comedians has been a great resource for stuff like that. I don't know. I I think that's where I found you. Um, and they, you know, shout yep. out to Nico, and what he put together was really. I'm I'm really glad that he did it because there. It's it's how I get people for my mic. Um, it's how I find other mics. It's it's how I find other comics. I mean, it's just—it's great. The whole thing is—the whole thing is just—it's uh, it, a—it's a really great community. I—I—I I, I think it's just really done yeah, a lot yeah. to uplift people in a in a you know in a rough time. Um, and he—he he was able to be a bit of a pied piper. I mean, he put you know he put this thing together, and a lot of people—it's you know, like four or five thousand members in there. That's a lot.
1: Yeah, and I feel it's also been a great avenue for a lot of. I see a lot of posts from people that are like. I'm a brand-new comedian. Are there any tips? Are there any scripts? Are there any... I feel like it's also kind of given confidence to some of these new people who've been thinking about it, and they see this kind of group of all these, you know, one thing helping comedians, and they, they ask the questions, they get the support. I've even responded to a few people asking about how you write and all that stuff, and, you know, it's I feel it's, it's, it's not just for the Zoom shows. It's also kind of bringing up some of the younger people and helping uh, others kind of learn this you know what it's like to be a writer or a stand-up comedian oh absolutely i mean i think that and and i think that's huge i
0: mean i it for me um like i i did it once like was it five years ago six years ago was it that long ago god um and i didn't do it again because there was no community and it wasn't really until I found um, a nice – I went to an open mic for, uh, called F Comedy, and I found a nice group of people, and it was people that I connected to, and the mics were at a time that was good for me. And that was when I really started you know, getting somewhere in comedy, like, and it really took that. And that's when I started – frankly, that's when I started getting better, because you don't really get better until you do it. You've got to do it a lot. And that's the, that is one of the – I mean, it's true. it's not that it's not true of music, but – you know, you can practice music in your bedroom. Like, you can't really practice comedy in your bedroom. You got to get up in front of people. That's one of the one of the big truisms of it. And you got to keep doing it. So, which is why, like, um, like there's a, there's a Zoom mic today at uh, at noon. I'll probably sign up for that because they just you got to get reps. Like, you for, you forget your jokes. I mean, you know, I don't know. Like, I I will hit. I had what did I do? There was there was a joke I hadn't done in a while, and then I got and I got up and I tried to do it at my show, and I I reversed one of the punchlines. <laughs> It was like, oops. I haven't I haven't done this in a long time and it's just it's not fresh in my mouth and not fresh in my brain. And so it was just like D
1: Um,
0: we're running out of time. I need you
1: you need to promote your upcoming shows. Yeah, yeah. I got three quick ones here. I'm gonna do uh, an order here. So the first show that I have that I'd like to promote is with Core T V. Um, they're also Core Radio, but they recently added on the Core TV. Core TV is licensed in, to my understanding, 22 countries. And I will be there Christmas live in studio at Core Studios in Detroit, Michigan. I know we're not supposed to be flying right now, but if you want to live your dream, you got to do it. <laughs> and I will be performing my first TV appearance with Core TV on Christmas. You can download their streaming platform and catch that. And then I have a show on New Year's Eve with my friends at 273 Records Incorporated. They're an entertainment group that I've performed with uh, once already. They're not running this event, but they are providing the talent. And I'm hoping to get signed by them, um, possibly before this year is even over. So if you guys are listening, (laughs) I'm thinking about you. Um, So that is the New Year's Eve 2020, The Ultimate Grown and Sexy Party. Ooh, fancy. there's going to be a lot of rappers and a lot of musicians, a lot of dancers. Uh, it's good here in Florida, but you name it. It's going to be, it's probably going to be the craziest party I've ever been to. It's going to be 10 o'clock in the morning till 2 PM at night. Big crazy show. I'm really honored to be a part of that as well as the core TV. I can't do this. I still can't believe that I'm three months in. I'm going to be on TV. Um, and the third and final show that I want to promote, um, The U.S. Comedy Contest is out of California. It's the world's largest comedy contest. First year it's ever on Zoom due to COVID. Um, I performed earlier this year in the first round and was in a three-way tie, and I'm performing February 4th on Zoom in the wild card round. If I can win the wild card round, I'll go to the semifinals and possibly to the finals. And if I win, I get a year contract with the entertainment group that currently manages Cedric the Entertainer. So they're a pretty big, uh, boldest artist. Entertainment is the name of that organization. So they've been amazing to me, and I can't wait to uh, perform with them again. That's great. Sounds like you got a lot going on. Uh,
0: Sean, tell everyone where they trying can.
1: To, trying to put my name out there.
0: That's what you got to do. Tell everyone where they can find you on the social medias.
1: So right now, since I am pretty new, I just have Facebook. You can catch me at Sean Skove. S E A N S K O V E. You can add me on Facebook. I'll add whoever friends me, and uh, you can see my other show announcements, check out some of my comedy, and uh, if anything, share and like my pages. All right,
0: great. Uh, So, Sean, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on. You were a great guest. And uh, keep us posted. Let me know how everything goes.
1: Yeah, I really thank you so much for putting me on and, uh, and squeezing me into the last minute. I definitely will be back. Thank you very much, Brett.
0: No problem. Um, All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week. Please uh, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And above all, stay safe.